sad to hear about Louie. But, um, well, yeah, this message uh, will definitely speak to that, man. Talking on the resurrection. On the resurrection. So I got a lot of stuff, but I'm going to try to keep it short for y'all. Try to keep it short, but we'll see how it goes. Because you just never really know when your mind goes blank. So, <laughs> All right, let's pray. Mm. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We come before you today. Um, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for the good news of the gospel. We thank you for uh, that we have a word that is full of life, full of peace. Um, we thank you, Lord, and um, just uh, we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so on the resurrection. So I want to talk about why a resurrection, because it's important, I guess. It's the crutch of uh, the cross and the resurrection is the crutch of Christianity. So um, why a resurrection? I'm going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to touch on something that's kind of controversial. Some people might ruffle your feathers a little bit. But uh, I think it's important to kind of start to see how Paul is looking at the resurrection. One thing I, um, one thing I don't try to do is give my own interpretations on the scriptures. I try to look at the scriptures the way the apostles were looking at them, and then try to explain what they're saying. And, you know, I take all the scriptures, all the counsel, and I try to come out with what's going on in the scriptures. So part of the reason why, man, many years I never really understood the, the purpose of the resurrection because our gospel was so hyper-spiritualized. The resurrection didn't make sense. I mean, we're talking about the resurrection of your body, a physical body resurrected. But our gospel was so hyper-spiritualized that it wasn't about being resurrected from the dead. It was about beginning a new born-again spirit. And then, for the most part, that was the crutch of it, you know what I mean? And, and going to heaven and living in heaven with God. But the apostles, they had a different understanding. They had a different view of the end time. Um, their view of the end time was that heaven is not the goal. The earth, the, the, the glorified new earth, that is the goal. God has not scratched the plan. He has come to redeem the original plan that he had from the beginning. And so, um, look, 15, 1 Corinthians 15, um, Paul's going on this tirade of talking about the resurrection. People saying there's no resurrection but uh 16 it says for if the dead rise not then is not christ raised and if christ be not raised your faith is vain ye are yet in your sins okay i don't know i i see that and i think automatically wait a minute here because Growing up, the gospel was all about we needed the death of Jesus in order to forgive us of our sins. The whole focus was on the death of the cross. We needed Jesus to save us from the wrath of God. We needed Jesus 
to save us from our sins, save us from the coming destruction upon our sins. But Paul is saying something different here. He's saying if Christ isn't raised from the dead, glorified, if he's not raised from the dead, physical, resurrected from the dead in a body, then your faith is in vain. You're still in your sins. So I think he's looking at the gospel a little bit differently than we were looking at it because he is he is connecting Jesus being Jesus's body being resurrected to the forgiveness of sins. That's what he's doing. He's connecting Jesus's body together with the forgiveness of sins. And what that speaks to me is that if he's saying if there's there's no resurrection of the body, there's no resurrection of the man, there's no forgiveness of sins. What he's saying to me is that the resurrection of our body is what results in us being forgiven from sins. Um, when we have a hope for a future resurrection, when we have um, our souls comforted knowing that um, my life will be resurrected from the dead in the return of Christ, what that does is that saves my soul from the sin and death that's in this world today. That's what it does. So the hope, the future expectation of a glorified creation. Um, yes, yeah, so since we had such a hyper-spiritual gospel, these things, they really didn't make sense. But when you really start to dive into them and look at them, yeah, man, they're an anchor for your soul while you walk in this earth. Because it's, it's something that is relatable to you because we are human beings living in physical bodies okay we can't get away from that fact our bodies have a brain they know you know you ever you ever realize that your body has a brain <laughs> you you have a brain and your body has a brain and it knows and it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't doesn't matter man if you think um it it, it doesn't matter if you think it's okay because one day I'm going to go to heaven and be with Jesus. Your body still knows it's dying. It needs a hope for resurrection. Without that hope for resurrection, your soul will never be able to be truly comforted. Never be able to be truly comforted. So I think that's the whole message right there. No, I'm like, hey, but look, here's another thing, man. Here's another thing I've heard. I've heard... Um, Smart people talk about in the 1700s, 1800s, um, prior to that, what was supernatural um, was, was good. But from the 1700s, 1800s, the term supernatural became distorted and it became this mystical thing. Prior to that, something that was supernatural was just something that is natural and it was made super. So it's not some whole new thing that now exists. It's a clothing upon something that is natural. It's making something natural super. So it's not some whole new ethereal mystical thing. It's um, and it's a problem, man. In the church, you know, we've become so spiritually minded that we can't even understand the gospel, much less why was Jesus raised from the dead. I mean, Paul's saying if he's not raised, 
we are still in our sins. I mean, that's kind of a that's kind of a tricky statement. He goes on in this chapter and he says, "Man, if if Christ is not raised from the dead, we are among amongst all men the most pitiful. If Christ be not raised, he said, "Let us eat and drink and be merry. There's no hope. There's no hope without the resurrection of Christ from the dead." Oh, so uh, got a bunch of little scriptures here. So why a resurrection? Why is there no forgiveness of sins without a resurrection? Um, what is the resurrection? Um, what does the resurrection do? What does it mean for us? Um, how can it affect our everyday lives? How is Jesus being raised from the dead saving our souls today? Right? So I want to look at a, a few things right here, just off the top of my head. Romans 10, 9 and 10, right? That was, that was always the big salvation verse. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, ye shall be saved, right? We used to quote that without skipping a beat, but we didn't really understand, you know, what that meant. What does it mean that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we're saved, right? What, what happened to our punishment for our sins and all that, that type of language? Paul's using something, a totally different type of language. But what that means is uh, he expounds on it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. He said, uh, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. That's what that means. That's what it means when he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, it means that you have a knowing, you have a, a belief in your heart that the same way in which Jesus was raised up, he shall also raise us up and present us with Jesus, glorified. Amen. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. So uh, let me see here. Try to get some stuff. Hmm. It's interesting when you study the early church fathers and you look in their writings and they're talking about how in the, you know, since the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead was their whole message. That was their message. Paul says in, in 50, 1 Corinthians 15 that their witness would be in vain if, it, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead because that was what they were witnessing. They were given testimony. They were given a message that Christ was raised from the dead. And um, these early church fathers, they're talking about how all the people in that time, they were going through extreme persecutions and martyrdoms, but they all confessed, right, the resurrection. And they called it the, the, the faith of Christ, the faith of the cross. That's what they called it. And there's this idea I think St. Athanasian is talking about it, and he's talking about how the cross is the trophy of Christ. Because of Christ and his resurrection, he conquered the cross. He conquered what the cross meant. The cross represented the sin and death of the world. It represented the might and strength of man in the world. It represented the Roman government, the Roman legions, the Roman might. And, and it, what he's saying is that... Uh, 
he, the cross is the trophy of Christ. And these people, they, it had this effect on these people where they no longer were running from death, but they actually were running towards death. They actually sneered at death. They actually mocked death, knowing that in the resurrection, the only thing that was left dead was Satan himself and his belief system. That was the only thing that was left dead. And so these people, they found, <laughs> they found a strength in their soul um, to able to not be afraid of death because of they seen in the resurrection of Christ that was also their future and their hope. Man, it, it was, it's sad to hear about Louis, but knowing the resurrection as the hope and the future, it, what it does is, man, we still grieve, but our grief is not unto despair, right. you know? All right, so uh, to give you, a, to, to help us get a little bit of better understanding of the meaning of the resurrection, right, I want to talk about death a little bit. And what is death? Because um, man's problem was that he was dying, right? Man's problem was that he was he was in sin and in death, and that without some type of intervention, man would have perished and passed away. If there be no resurrection from the dead, Paul says that all those who died in Christ perished. That's what he says. He said they perished. <laughs> but anyway, um, so what help, really helps us understand this is death came not from God. Death came not from God. If you think death came from God and that it was up to God, whether or not you were saved or not, right? Whether or not you died or not, what that will do is, is it will pervert your understanding of the resurrection. It will pervert what's going on here. See, man had a problem and God is coming alongside of man, right? to redeem and save his man. It's not that, the Bible says that uh, Satan, in Hebrews, it says that to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. God didn't have the power of death. Satan had the power of death, and he was using it to lord over mankind. And, and, and what we see is, we see the word become flesh, come in a body like unto us, and on account of the word of God that was in him, he, he took death to the cross and he left it in the grave. And he was resurrected, thereby proving and showing that God is for man, that God is for man. Now, I talked about this before, but um, we know we know what the judgment of God is by looking at the resurrection what I mean is we know what the judgment of God is by looking at what was raised in the resurrection and what was not raised in the resurrection. So anything that was not raised, God judged against that. And anything that was raised, he judged for that, right? So what was raised in the resurrection? Man was raised, right? So God is for man. Sin and death was not raised. So that was God's judgment against sin and death. Um, the, love of the, the love of God for mankind was revealed in the resurrection. And um, the curse was destroyed. And um, 
you know, in the resurrection, in the body of Jesus, God saved the world. I know, I know. When, when COVID hit last year and everybody was kind of going crazy, I'm sitting here looking at people and I'm like, the world's already been saved. You know what I mean? It's already been saved in the body of Jesus Christ. God is eternally a man forever. Right? God is eternally a man forever. The world has been saved. Um, here's something that's hard for, for some people to understand, but um, when Eve ate of that tree, corruption did not come into the world. When Adam ate of that tree, corruption came into the world, right? Well, Adam had dominion and authority over the world. It talks about in Revelation 8 that creation was subjected to bondage. And that creation is waiting, is groaning, like a, a lady in child, with childbirth, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Is waiting for the revelations of the sons. So he's connecting, um, which, whichever way it goes with man is whichever way it will go with creation. So there's only ever been two Adams. There was the first Adam and the second Adam. In, so the first creation was connected to the first Adam. The second creation is connected to the second Adam. So when Jesus was raised immortal from the dead, what that means is that the earth will also be raised immortal from the dead in his return, in his return. Um, it's the salvation of creation. Understanding the resurrection it gives a it gives an anchor for our souls because we, when we walk in this world and we encounter sin, we encounter death, we encounter loss. We know that that is not the end. We know that there there is a hope for us in the body, and and in the body of Jesus Christ. When we first started looking at this a few years back, you know, at first it kind of sounds weird because so you're so used to this hyper-spiritual gospel, like you need a born-again spirit, you know, you have to get rid of that sin nature and all these things, but um, when, you, when, you're, when you start to hear that a sin nature is not your problem, you know, some, some demon is not your problem, um, your, the, our problem is that we're living in bodies that are dying, and if we know not the truth, what that death does is it conflicts our souls. It, can, it, it keeps us from ever having a sound mind, right? But when we start to see the resurrection of that how in, in the resurrection, God saved man from the death that was against him. And what that starts to do is it starts to heal our souls. We see that, man, this body will be redeemed. This, the earth is not evil. The earth is the plan for God. He's not scrapping the earth. He's going to come back and glorify this earth in his return, right? And all the saints with him. And so, um, you know, I was talking to my mom the other day. She's like, well, why are you talking about this? And I'm like, well, I think it's good to talk about reality. You know what I mean? I think it's good to be able to see things for what they are. I mean, that's every, why, why would we be talking about anything that is not pertinent, anything that is not relevant to our lives, right? Why would we waste our time with it? 
And so understanding this, understanding that the resurrection is the glorification, will end in the glorification of the earth. In the resurrection, God and man became one flesh, never to be separated, never to be torn, never to be divided again. So, amen, that is our hope, that is our hope. Also in the resurrection, what happened was God crowned man and adopted man as, as a son. Prior to the resurrection, we didn't know that men were the sons of God. Jesus came saying that he was the son of God and they wanted to kill him, right? Now God raises the man, Christ Jesus, and he says, this is your representative. Whosoever believes in him and confesses with their mouth that he was raised from the dead shall be saved. And um, so, it, um, okay, I want to I do a little something right now. I want to get off the path a little bit. I got a lot of scriptures, man, but it just, it is what it is. You just got to go with what, what you're going with, right? I want to look at, I want to look at how Jesus, how Jesus was thinking about the cross and the resurrection. Because he said a lot of things, and they haven't, the things he said never really lined up with our old theology, so we never really gave him much attention, right? But I want to go back and kind of look at them, because there's a lot of things that Jesus said. I just want to touch on them real quick. Look at John 12. John 12, 23. John 12, 23. Three. And look, he says, and Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. <laughs> he doesn't say the hours that come that I'm going to take your punishment from the Father. You know, he did take our punishment of sin and death. I'm not saying he didn't, but he said, but look at how he's looking at it. He said, the hour is come that the Son of Man, meaning that man, Man is going to be glorified. Now look, right after he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, and bring, it bringeth forth much fruit. So, <laughs> the Jewish scriptures, anytime you start talking about the resurrection, they're always going to use the example of a seed. Or a wheat, know ye not, you know what I mean? How if a, a grain of wheat falls into the ground, right? God is able to take that grain of wheat and, and resurrect it and bring it back up. But if it does not fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. Um, look at this, John 14, John 14, 19 and 20. He says, Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. He said, Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. Look at the next verse. He says, At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He's saying, when you see me in my resurrection, right, because you see me come back from the dead, you will know that you also 
will come back from the dead. He's saying, in that day, when you see me resurrected, ye shall know. He, in other places, he talks about, in that day, you will see the end of all things in that resurrection. Um, look, 13.31, I know I'm kind of going backwards. It says, therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Now is the Son of Man glorified. See, it says that Jesus knew that he was, Jesus knew that he came from the Father and that he was going back to the Father, right? He knew that he was going to die and God was going to resurrect him, glorify him, and that would glorify man. And in God glorifying man, he would glorify his own name. And, <laughs> yeah, man, and so... You start to see, well, wait a minute, I thought Jesus thought he was forsaken. Wasn't he forsaken so we don't have to be forsaken? I don't see him saying anything about that. He's saying now the Son of Man is going to be glorified. He doesn't say the Son of Man is now going to be forsaken. Um, 16, look, 16, 16, 16. 22 and 23. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. And your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. <laughs> he said, because you're going to see it for yourself. You will have no more questions after that, because you will see the, the hope of the human race in, in my resurrection. In that day ye shall ask me nothing. He says, I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. And your joy no man taketh from you. I just want to, I'm going to come back to that because I got something that's kind of cool. But uh, I just want to go to Peter real quick. First Peter. I think the more scriptures I can use kind of showing you what the apostles are saying, maybe that will start to. Just kind of cement this in our heart. Look at Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> I don't know what that does to your um, being born again theology. But... uh. Peter's saying, we have been born again because Christ was raised from the dead. And now the human race now has a hope. Before that, there was no hope. And the wisdom of Solomon talks about how there's no man has ever come back from the dead. He says, when a man goes to the dead, it is sealed that no man comes back. That's how they looked at it. And, and, um, and um of course, there's more nuances to that, but, but look what he's saying. He's saying, God has begotten us again out from the dead unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look, tracking that same, that same um, chapter, uh, verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you 
reserved in heaven for you. Verse 10, it says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come to us. The resurrection is the grace that, sh that came to us. Uh, searching out what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. And look at this. Um, verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you. That grace is the same grace that was brought to Jesus in his resurrection. Brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, one more thing. Look, check this out. In verse 20 it says, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for us, whom by him do believe in God that raised him up for the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. What's that? That's a powerful verse. He's saying because we've seen God raise Jesus from the dead, we are now able to believe in God. We are now. That's what he's saying. Who He says, who, who by him now you believe in God that you've seen Jesus raised from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might now be in God because you see how he treated the man Jesus, the son of God. Um, man, I got a lot of stuff right here. It's a little overwhelming. But uh, look, right here, Acts. Look at that. I'm going to go right here real quick. I'm going to try to, what time do we start? 10.30? We started at 10.30? Okay, so 10.40, so maybe like 15 more minutes. Don't worry about the time. Nah, I'm, I'm always worried about the time. I got to give them a break, man. I got to keep I gotta keep them on my good side. <laughs> I got to keep them on my good side, man. Okay. Um, I think it's Acts 24. No, not Acts 24, at the end of Acts 17, sorry. I just want to kind of hammer this point a little bit. So Paul's just talking on Mars Hill, we all know this, and uh, he said, uh, verse 30, he said, in the times of this ignorance God winked at, because men were walking in ignorance about who their creator was, he said, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Commandeth all men everywhere to repent. When you see yourself in the face of Jesus, that the same way God treated him, he will also treat you, that will bring repentance to your heart. Because it changes the way you see yourself. So he's commanded all men everywhere to repent. That's what Dan, he says, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. Meaning he's going to make the world as it ought to be. From his original plan from the beginning, the world will be correct in all its facets, glorified. Um, okay, says, 
He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained. Wherefore, he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. That, that word assurance is the same word faith, pistis in the Greek. He has given faith to all men in that he raised Jesus from the dead. So there would be no confusion, right? There would be no confusion about what's going on here. He's given faith unto all people in that he raised Christ from the dead. It says, and then when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked him. And others said, we'll hear him again on this later. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It's kind of a... Okay, um, yeah, I'm going to go back to John real quick. I'm going to show you this. John 12:50. But you see how Paul's looking at the Gospels? Um, in Acts 24, he comes before Felix, and this is his chance before, you know, a ruler to give his account. And they don't really tell you, like, what in 17, Acts 17, what he says, but he said, it says, and he reasoned with him about righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come. That's what he talked to him about. Righteousness, temperance, or self-control, and the judgment to come. You know, I, I, hear, I hear that, and then I think about Romans 6, 7, and 8, you know, where he's talking about, you know, righteousness by faith, and he's talking about in Romans 7, how the body, right, the dying body keeps man from walking without condemnation, you know, and then going into Romans 8. But um, look, John 12, 50, he says, and I know that, and I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whosoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So I want to touch on this right here. 49, for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment. He gave me a word, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that this commandment is life everlasting. So I want to break that down a little bit. This, uh, that word commandment, if you look at it, it means like a prescription. You know, it means a a precept, a prescription, and then you, if you break the word down even more, the root word of that word is entole. It, it, it talks about the telos. It talks about the end of all things, that the commandment that God gave Jesus was the prescription. It was which would tell us the end of all things. It was his prescription unto eternal life, Right? And so when we continue in the commandment of Jesus, it's when we continue to see the Father, view the Father, we continue to look at his word, we continue to look at the man raised from the dead, and we keep that in the forefront of our mind, yeah. right? And we continue in his commandment. We continue in looking and viewing and seeing reality in the same way he did, yeah. right? And that saves our hearts from the fear of death. But... um. It's his prescription that will heal mankind, and this prescription is life everlasting, you know. 
So death, man, what death does is it keeps you from loving your neighbor. That's what it does. It keeps you, death brings you to where I don't care how much you want to love your neighbor, you can't love your neighbor. Because the, the pangs of death are so strong, it will always compel you to preserve your own life. Always compel you to preserve your own life. But when you start to have the anointing, the, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in your heart, knowing that the same spirit that raised him will also raise me, what it does is it will loose you from the pangs of death. It will free you to love your neighbor. It will free you to love yourself, right? They say love yourself and then you'll love your neighbor. You can't love yourself. You can't. You just can't do it. Um, but anyway, so not to get off all on that, but uh, so now we're starting to see what Paul's saying. He's saying without the resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sin. There will be no deliverance in your heart without you seeing your future in the face of Jesus. There would be no salvation for us. Um, and I got one more thing I want to share. One more thing. Okay. So, Jesus said that the Spirit cannot come until I leave. That's what he said. He said, the Spirit cannot come until I leave. <laughs> and... um we say we see Jesus die, he's resurrected, um, he, he ascends back to the Father, right? On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, right? That was the sequence of events. He said, the Spirit can't come yet because I have to leave first. What I take this as saying is that There needed to be a word seated in the heavens, far above all other words, right? And this word is the power unto righteousness in our lives. So we needed to see Jesus, right, with all the sin and death on him, trust in the Father, right? We needed to see the Father take this man, Jesus, raise him from the dead, showing that he is faithful, he will not leave our souls um, and then we needed to just, we needed to see that. And then we needed to see Jesus ascend back. And I know there's a lot of stuff that happened in, in the middle of that, but he received immortality into his body and he sat down at the right hand of God, declaring a word for all mankind, giving us without the shadow and the doubt, what is going on, how God feels for us. He seats this man, Jesus, in immortality, in equality, in full union with God, and then the Spirit is poured out on all flesh. You see what I'm saying? That had to accomplish first, before the Spirit could be poured out on all flesh. We needed a word to anchor our souls. We needed something that was outside of this world we needed to be able to 
when we think about our lives, we can separate the end goal of our lives from what happens in this earth, in this world. God has seated us in the heavenlies in Christ. He separated the end goal of our lives from the fate of the world, right? And, and this anchors our soul. This anchors our soul. I'm going to end up. I just want to read a few scriptures. Since I've been reading all these scriptures. <laughs> what would you say, man? No, because I said a lot of stuff, man. And I don't want to overdo it. You know, just keep feeding you and feeding you. Just. <laughs> Look. Look. Hosea 13:14 I will ransom them I will ransom them from the power of the grave I will redeem them from death O death I will be thy plague O grave I will be thy destruction repentance shall be hid from my eyes It says in Hebrews 2 that we were all our days in bondage to the fear of death It doesn't say we were all our days in bondage to a sin nature it Doesn't say we were all our days in bondage to the wrath of God right says we are all our days in bondage to the fear of death and death came not from God Isaiah Isaiah 25 Isaiah 25 these are the same scriptures that the apostles use when they're talking about the resurrection in the New Testament uh, verse 4 for thou hast been a strength to the poor a strength to the needy in this dist distress a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. When the blast of the terrible ones is a storm against the wall, thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud, the branch of the... Okay, okay, verse 6. And in the mountain, and in this mountain, shall the Lord of hosts make unto, a, make unto all people a feast of fat things. It's talking about the resurrection. A feast of wines... Um, of fat things full of marrow he says verse 7 and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people talking about death and the veil that is spread over all nations talking about death it's interesting in Hebrews it says that it talks about the veil being ripped that is his body his flesh but uh, verse 8 he will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him, we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen. 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 But yeah, but I challenge you, read the New Testament all through it. He's talking about, you know, we don't yet see all things, but we see Jesus. You know, we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. You know, we're waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We just, uh, man. Thank you for the resurrection. We thank you, Father God. You know, in the, in the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts, started yesterday, 
and it goes for one whole week until we have the final celebration um, next Sabbath. But um, thank you, Father God. We just uh, thank you for um, hope. We thank you for a future. We thank you for an expected end. We thank you that we are not lost. Um, we thank you that you are our God and you are good. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Mm.